0: I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field.
1: Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> it is
0: Robbie Robbie Weekly.
1: Him reverse pass. Oh! Oh! Drive him! Magic.
0: Hello everybody. Welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly with the 42. It's Gabby Casey with you here. There is an awful lot on the line for the provinces in Europe this weekend. And joining us on the line from one of the several London airports is Murray Kinsta of the 42. You're on your way to La Rochelle via Nantes. Murray, whereabouts in London are you at the moment? Which airport did you fly into?
2: I'm in Stansted at the moment, so please forgive me, everyone listening, if you hear a bit of background noise. I tried to find the quietest spot I, I could. I wasn't Weatherspoons, but it was pretty rowdy in there for uh, early in the morning, people getting stuck into the pints. Um, so I've moved over some corridor and I'm here and I'm going to fly onto Nantes in a couple hours' time and drive down to to La Rochelle and really excited to get down and see that Northampton actually are here they just had a bit of breakfast and they're obviously on their way to Ireland a few Ulster jerseys there's Northampton fans as well and yeah I love these weekends they're just brilliant Champions Cup Huntington Cup it is uh, great excitement can't wait to see all the rugby it's your first time
0: being in La Rochelle isn't it?
2: yeah first time going to a match there I cannot wait to see the Marcel de Flon, the stadium that's sold out for a 76th consecutive time for this game, which is just remarkable. 16,000, so it's not massive, but in a town of 75,000 people, that's pretty remarkable. There's four different supporters' clubs. I've just been researching on that, and and it just is a, a way of life over there. I think everyone will have seen the scenes when they won the Champions Cup and came back to the town. Everyone, literally everyone, was there. And um, yeah, it'll be brilliant to feel that atmosphere. It looked and sounded brilliant last weekend. They beat Toulouse for the first time since Raj has been there. It was a massive moment for them. Toulouse rested a few, but you saw some of La Rochelle's might and uh, he was very praiseworthy of the, the crowd afterwards, said they helped him over the line. So they're in good, Nick. Ulster, as we've discussed this week on our, on our pods, not in the best, Nick, but I suppose there's no better place to, to turn it around than with this kind of challenge
0: ahead of you. Just for listeners who wouldn't be privy to your weekend schedule when you're covering an away game for one of the provinces or for Ireland, Can you talk us through how it works Friday to Sunday and how much time will you get to actually see La Rochelle and its expanses? amid all of the work that you'll be doing yeah
2: well today's pretty much travel day so I'm trying to get a piece done for tomorrow morning um, around La Rochelle and Rog and the Irish there's a few of them obviously with Ulton Deland there and Donica Ryan and an Agu to Ireland under 20s wing a Waterford born man who's had a pretty interesting pathway to to where he is now Um, so working on that but get in this evening Johnny Bradley from the Belfast Telegraph is also over so we'll definitely go and grab a bite to eat and hopefully watch the Claremont Leicester match you want to get in and and see the city and feel the atmosphere. I'm definitely better at that these days. When I was younger, I'd be probably absorbed with work that wasn't as important as actually being there. Um, so same again tomorrow. Before the match kicks off, we obviously have an evening kickoff. Try and get to see a bit of the place and understand, I suppose, why Rono Garris so strong in his sense that it's exactly the right place for him for, for the next few years. And then, um, yeah, on over to the stadium. Match report for final whistle plus reaction from the various um starring cast afterwards and, and you'll be working on follow-up then for the following morning as well as Monday morning so post-match it's busy and you've obviously got to get home I'm flying early enough on on Sunday uh, so it's busy but it's really exciting it's brilliant I was just saying to Jen my wife before I go like this is one of the perks of the job still um, and she was making the same point so it's a it's a busy period of travel coming up I've got this I've got Toulouse the weekend after then go to Portugal for the Six Nations training camp and on to Cardiff from there so uh, it's just a, a brilliant time to be involved in this
0: Murray Kinsley world tour I love it and you're heading to Thoma, Danvers Thoma Park in fairness yeah Gavin Casey's tour of, tour of the southern province uh, Cork and Limerick got taken in everything there is to see in both counties it's uh, yeah I'm actually looking forward to that game we can chat about it once too in a while um, are you back on Monday for members pod or are you off
2: yeah, sure am. Can't wait for it. Like, there's, that's the fascinating thing about this weekend again. There's so much rugby and that's the thing when you're travelling you, you tend to miss bits or you're trying to catch it when you're on the plane or when you're in the airport waiting because there's so many big, important games as you mentioned. All four of the provinces including connecting the Challenge Cup with lots on the line or lots to gain or lots potentially
0: to, to lose this weekend. Yeah, we will chat a bit now, wants Ulster with Bernard Jackman on Monday for yeah. the 42 members. It's members members.the42.e We have podcasts every Monday, every wednesday with owen toolin former ireland performance analyst and over the course of the six nations as well there'll be post-match podcasts a lot of exclusive analysis hitting your email inboxes uh why not give it a go for the few months of the six nations see how you get on with it and um, if you sign up to the monthly option you can cancel at any point the annual option gives you a, a nice little discount as well if you prefer that you mentioned mer that uh, earlier in the week, we did speak about some of Ulster's struggles. And I wanted to play a little clip of that conversation with Bernard Jackman. Um, what we got into really was some of the plights facing Dan McFarland, whether or not Ulster could be, or whether their form could be constituted as a rush at this point. They've lost five of their last six. And really just what it feels like is going wrong with them at the moment as they head to La for this do or die game in their European campaign
2: There's just so many little bits in it that aren't right sometimes their attack is beautiful and fluid other times they're just checking each other with passes to the inside shoulder low passes to the first receiver and everything stutters off the the back of that Um, you know players who are who can handle the ball beautifully just throwing silly offloads or forcing the ball Um, and everything they do now has that sense of kind of they're just inhibited and there's a there's a weight weight on their, their shoulders. So that brittleness does worry me. And I I don't know. Like I'm not a professional coach. I think it's an unbelievably difficult challenge for those coaches to try and turn that around. What what tone do you set now? You've you've tried the kind of hairdryer treatment, you've publicly called them out. Um, I'm sure they're trying to be positive and say, listen, this is how close we are, this is a good Benetton team, and we should underline that really good Benetton team. I thought their performance was just outstanding, but Ulster just have to find a way to knock that brittle, uh, crumbling edge out of the game really quickly.
0: Yeah, you mentioned their upcoming schedule, Birch, shell away, at home. Then they have the Stormers as well in their first league game back, so no rest for the wicked. What do you do this week if you're at Dan McFarlane and his support um, staff?
1: Yeah, look, it depends on what they've tried already, you know, and all we've seen is the... You know what what what's been given to the public in terms of the the hairdryer or, um, treatment that Dan um, that you that you imagine followed on from Dan's press conference where he was highly critical of 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 their effort. Um, I think you got to look at games game management. So what players players if they're lacking confidence or or there's something wrong they love a reconfirmation of actually what the plan is. So to basically you're going to. Get, you've got a quality opposition. The atmosphere is going to be intense. Nobody expects Ulster to to do anything. Um, and you, what you got to do is try and create create um, an energy and a and a vibe going down there. Um, and and to be able to get two or three things out of that that you've targeted. So no matter what the result is, the players feel like they've turned a corner. You know, and and turn turn the page to use the the terminology they do. Um, so. Where, you know what is that uh, it, we know their line out mall is is good but are, realistically is that going to be a key to winning the game against La Rochelle probably not because it's only i would say it's only very good against teams that are bigger and more powerful than which are not going to be this weekend but um there be certain things that they can target against La Rochelle um that will hopefully get them back uh, on track because I, I and and the boring thing is they don't if they don't get some kind of performance down there And games away in France against good teams can get out of control for you pretty quickly. Well, then, you know, it could become catastrophic or disastrous for the week after, obviously, which is a big home game against Sale, but then that Stormers game. And then suddenly they're looking over their shoulders and maybe they're not going to get a, you know, they're not going to be a top four side in in the URC, which um, it would mean at the end of the season they've, they've made a massive step back. Like, the reality is a lot of teams go through little dips during the season. Ulster are going through probably two little dips together at the moment, um, joined up in, in consecutive weeks. Um, and if they get back on track and they finish second or, or third, you know, and, and are, um, it's not going to be remembered. But um, I think if they don't find a way to get that group excited by the opportunity to play against La Rochelle and, and have two or three things that they identify as key to being in the game and then implementing them, uh, i i'd actually be worried that this 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 doesn't just become a, a dip it becomes a a uh, a rut and that will heap the pressure on dan and and um no one wants to be there mm. yeah I, I, it, it is already a rough for me
2: like this is this is this is disastrous in, in my eyes you know because it just hammers on those doubts that we had that maybe they themselves have about themselves like if this pressure is causing so much strife right now then what, if, what happens when they get back into knockouts potentially and have that kind of pressure on them like if this was Munster I think we'd be talking about crisis I, I honestly do like it, it's a really worrying trend of, of games and like that's the reality Robbie. you're right Birch like there's a couple of things there that even there's a bit of misfortune even for the Benetton try where they score off the turnover it's turnover turnover and actually the Ulster players are swinging positively to get in shape to react to try and score off the turnover and then there's no one to to. guard the blind side it's it's a little bit of misfortune there but it's just such a um, it's just such a bad run now and it seems that the errors and the mental uh, muddiness is just repeating itself and repeating itself and yeah listen things can can change quite quickly but I I can only imagine the the coaching staff are extremely worried obviously Dan McFarland as you mentioned before linked with, with Leicester and you know, if you're if you're getting an offer from there or if there's interest from there, you're probably thinking, Christ, what can I do with this squad now? And is that actually slightly more attractive at the moment?
0: That was yourself Murray Ann Bernard Jockman on Monday's Day's members pop, members the a pretty pivotal game in Monster season as well at home to Northampton Saints tomorrow. We're recording on a Friday. That's a Saturday three fifteen kickoff in Limerick. And People, as they listen to this podcast, I reckon will have just about caught the news that Conor Murray won't feature for Monster in their match day 23. It's not an injury either. It, it's, I guess, the beginning of the passing of the torch to some degree. And that is not to say that Conor Murray is finished. He's far from it. But certainly for this game, Graham Rentry has opted for uh, two halves who can bring a little bit more tempo both from the start and from the bench. What was your reaction when you heard this news, Mark?
2: Well, they invited us down to training earlier on this week and swore us to secrecy over everything we saw in terms of team news, but you're, you're instantly scanning to see who's in the first 15, who's in the huddle, uh, and it was clear that he wasn't in the huddle for the 23 either, which was just jarring, isn't it? Like, we're, we're going all the way back to, what was it, 13 years ago, nearly 12, 13 years ago, that he's become the main man in Irish rugby at number nine and has, until recently, held on to that status and that that uh, I suppose crown uh, Jamison Gibson Park with Ireland obviously has, has taken over and become a pivotal player for Ireland but with Munster he has remained important weirdly though it it feels like it's um, the it's right call at, at this point in time because Munster have moved a different way with how they want to play they want to play ultra tempo as fast as possible. We saw in training the other day. They just train at such speed. It's 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 brilliant to see and it's such a shift in identity from them. And obviously the two guys who feature this weekend are very well suited to that. Craig Casey, that's his game. It's all about tempo. It's about making decisions on the fly. Patterson the, the same. They're two guys who they really almost bounce in and out of the breakdown, if that makes sense. It's like the breakdown absorbs them and then rebounds them back out. So they very rarely lose a lot of pace when they go to scoop up the ball. Whereas obviously Conor Murray is a taller guy. He's got a little bit of a different technique. He'll stand and, and fire off the passes. Not to say he, he can't do that really well. And indeed, I actually think he's been good off the bench for Ireland and at times for Munster, including that Ulster game where uh, Ben Healy got a lot of the kudos, but Murray was excellent off the, the bench as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's been coming and... I think it is brave from the, the coaching staff to actually go and do it and, and be the first ones to, to do it. We heard Mutterings that this nearly happened a few times in the Van Grande era. For whatever reason, it, it wasn't followed through on and he remained the, the number one guy. So a massive challenge laid down to him and a massive opportunity for those two guys who have to go and take it now. With Patterson, we don't know in those circumstances how he'll, I suppose, really handle the, the step up in pressure if he gets repeated opportunities like this. Casey obviously has been involved, but there's a lot of responsibility all of a sudden for them. And I agree with your opening sentiment there that it's certainly not the end for, for Conor Murray. There's loads of value in what he brings and in specific situations and circumstances, he's got the best skill set for, for some challenges. Um, but it's, it's just fascinating not to, not to see him there. I don't know what you think, Gav, about this. Like, In your opinion, is this the right decision? Yeah, I think it is. And
0: there's not really a great deal of room for sentiment when your European season is hanging in the balance. Um, I would say that Casey and Patterson are in slightly yeah. better form than Murray, and it's, it's really only fractional. I think Murray's actually playing quite well. He's had nice impacts off the bench, as you mentioned. I also think it's perfectly conceivable that Murray will still be the scrum half in Ireland's bench in the Six Nations because of some of the attributes that you've outlined there. like um, His physical size, he defends like a fucking linebacker, which is incredibly valuable in Test Rugby. He's still a great kicker of the ball. He can still do like the fundamental parts of uh, the attacking game from the base of rock really well. Like his pass is probably, you could argue his pass is to the best of, of those three scrum halves at Munster. Like Casey's is very good. Patterson, for Patterson is probably an area of this game that he still needs to work on and, and it will improve the more he, he's actually playing in that bare pit, in that environment. Um, it does feel jarring, even though Graham Renfrew foreshadowed it as well last Friday we were talking about how well Patterson had played against the Lions in Musgrave Park. And he was quite abrupt in replying, well, that's the way our game is going. And it kind of felt like he was making a bit of a point, not to Murray necessarily, but almost maybe preparing the media or whoever was there for that transition. And he also made the point that he genuinely didn't know who he was going to select at Scrum Half this weekend, because all three of his lines were in good form. And I actually took him at face value when he said that. I'm not sure that he necessarily knew for certain that Murray wouldn't feature. I guess he did if by the time you get up on Tuesday, Murray's not involved in the 23, but I'd say there was still a niggling doubt. I don't think this would have been an easy decision by any stretch of the imagination. And listen, I actually like the idea of Conor Murray with a rocket up his ass as well. I'm not suggesting that he's been too comfortable over the years because his performances don't warrant that sort of criticism at all. And um, He always puts his body on the line. Like, there's never been conspicuous complacency in his performances to my mind, but also now that he's been told you're actually third choice at least for one weekend, for the first time in, as you say, 12, 13 years I, I like the idea of the Conor Murray we might see on the other side of that, so yeah, exciting decision for Munster, a feel for Murray but also looking forward to seeing how he responds to it. Uh, how do you fancy Munster in that game generally Matt, against Saints? Yeah, I-,
2: I do fancy him, I like the the momentum they have the trajectory they're on as I said I was very impressed with how they're training and it's class to actually get a chance to see that like fair play to them for opening up the doors and letting us sit there and watch and it might not seem like much but it's extremely rare in the modern game it was interesting to see the input all the coaches have how much the players were clearly enjoying it how much they were challenged beyond match pace it was obviously very similar to Leinster's Tuesdays and, and those kind of high intensity sessions so Great to see some of the work that they've been talking about. You know, not that we didn't believe them, but there's a lot more power seeing it with your own eyes and seeing the atmosphere and energy around it. And I think, importantly, the performances have improved. There is a nice confidence in the group now. And, yeah, they should have enough quality to to win that match and put themselves into a good position now, especially with the rejig format. You don't have to win every game to go through. So
0: they're well in the hunt. Caught up with Owen Toulon on Wednesday, because it has been a significant week of news for oh. Munster. Dennis Leem, he confirmed to you on Tuesday that he wouldn't, or excuse me, Munster wouldn't be signing Malcolm Marks. And then, of course, the news emerged as well that Mossy Lawler would be heading back to his old stomping ground as a skills coach. I asked Owen about both of those things, actually. And here were his thoughts on Munster's need to be clever or creative in looking for a new front row. And actually how Mossy Lawler's role or the role of a skills coach works in practical terms on the training ground. Dennis Leamy confirmed during that process that Munster will not be signing Malcolm Marks, um, crushing the dreams of so many Monster fans, just as Bernard Jackman did on Monday's podcast, to be totally honest. Um, it, it feels like a like you could completely understand how Monster fans would be disappointed just because of the quality of player that Malcolm Marks is, and probably how badly Monster need a player of his profile in the front row. I wanted to ask you, If you think that a hooker is the sort of desired position that they could strengthen there, or would you be looking at loose head or tight head? I'm asking that purely because I guess if Dermot Barron can stay fit um, and with the ongoing development of Scott Buckley as well behind Niall Scannell. Granted, Niall Scannell may be uh, looking elsewhere in the summer um, with Bath linked to him. I just wonder, are Munster a little bit better stocked at hooker in terms of having that little bit of dynamism with uh, Barron and Buckley than they are at prop? Like, If there was an optimal situation here, where would you personally be looking to strengthen uh, if you were in Munster's shoes?
3: Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I think loose head well predominantly tight head uh is an area where i think it would make a huge difference and difficult to build experience in that space I had a huge run of games and i think i think what did Munster concede was it six scrum scrum infringements at the weekend against the lions uh and we understand the importance um of the tight head to a scrum plus your your tight head lock and from a scrummaging perspective just difficult to find isn't it there's um Obviously, you're going to be linked with the South African players because I'm pretty sure they're the only Tier One nation that that selects players playing um, internationally uh, rather than just domestically. So, trying to extract a player from another Tier One country becomes difficult unless they're headed towards the tail end of their career, which isn't an ideal um, criteria for for bringing somebody into your squad. So, I think I think it's difficult. Um, Marks obviously would have been a a brilliant addition to the squad, but it doesn't look like it's it's going to be. I think think the money on offer in Japan and France is so high that you've really, really got to extend yourself to bring in that type of profile of player. I think Munster just need to be a little bit creative about where they look, um, both domestically and internationally. Um, I think when you look at Gloucester, I was just looking at their team sheet the other day they're selecting a Russian on a Georgian in their front row and their scrum is going pretty well from a premiership perspective uh I really like Gallo from an Argentinian perspective he's, he's a loose head, but brilliant with his carry um strong and set piece um, whether you look that neck of the woods I think yeah an air of creativity is going to be required I think uh, and then obviously the the other South African big name players Malherb Vincent Koch potentially looking at, I'm not sure their contract status, but yeah, you're, you're going to be linked to those South Africans just by virtue of the, the selection process from, from a Springboks point of view.
0: Mm. The other piece of news to emerge from Munster was that they will uh, be counting on the services of one of their old boys, Mossy Lawler, Craig Casey's uncle, I believe as a skills coach from next season, he's going to head from head down from Connacht. Um, I, I, This might be a stupid question to our listeners, so forgive me if it is one, but I I wanted to know (laughs) what the role of a skills coach actually looks like on a training ground. Like what kind of drills are we talking about and and what are the skills that he would be most um, primarily looking after or or steering in a professional rugby player?
3: Yeah, I think the role has evolved to be fair. Um, Obviously now you've got a contact skills specialist uh, at most clubs as well. Um, so the remit can change from club to club, obviously looking at core skills like your catch pass, running lines uh kick skills generally falls under that remit. I think it's really important in terms of linking the skill set to your attacking framework, so the demands of a front row versus a lock in your attacking shape uh your back row is on the edge all all these different positional groups will be have very different skill sets that they're required to to work on so there's a a huge amount of thought process goes into your your actual complete training day and and how you allocate time to those positional groups with the very um targeted nature of the skills that they're required to work on to be able to operate within that attacking framework so so the remit is large the the demand depending on your positional group changes significantly um and a lot a lot of time spent in the gym between between reps as well trying to just get as much someone that's got handling issues you want to get as much uh touch points with them in terms of just catch pass catch pass catch pass uh those types of things and then from a kicking perspective you're kind of guided by load to a certain degree of what days of the week you can you can kind of put that kicking load into them is generally on your quieter training days your your non-double days when when players are asked to go on the pitch twice in the one day so uh i would say mossy needs to be a hugely organized guy uh, a lot of collaboration with your attack coach defense coach um and as i said there needs to be um a relationship between all the assistant coaches and their skills coach so that it's complementing the work that's been done from an uh, assistant coach point of view. And I think Moss would be great. Obviously he's, he's from Munster. He understands the DNA of the club. I'm sure he knows Kazi and Limi pretty well. So I think, um, and Mike Prendergast as well. So I think in terms of that, um, uh, similarity in terms of thought process and outlook on the game, I think, I think he'll fit in pretty seamlessly, but it's a really important role because, um, because the assistant coaches get quite caught up on the the big picture stuff and and to have a skills coach come in he, he can focus on the smaller details stuff to to complement the the wider picture um kind of aspect of the game
0: that was on tune and I'm speaking to the 42 members members the e. you mentioned it's a huge game for Connacht as well I mean they can book their place in the next stage of the challenge cup um they should be putting this team away actually it might be a chance for them to uh, both experiment give game time to guys who are going to be important in their running and also continue that momentum that they began against the Sharks in Galway last weekend
2: mm, yeah just don't let that slip and have this final block of the season be something really powerful now Andy Friend is going obviously there's uncertainty about what's happening next in terms of who's going to be head coach, we saw Peter Wilkins saying he hasn't been interviewed. I think the coaches themselves are waiting to find out what happens there. So there's an element of uncertainty, which I don't think really helps performance. But there's a really nice kind of mission there for them in the next few months to send friend off with a with a bang and and show that the work of the last three plus years isn't isn't wasted. That that they've been on a mission to to improve and they finish it finished out strong, as they've said, Challenge Cup around squad rotation is very helpful Um, but you'd love to see another form that backs up what we saw uh, last time up in in Galway where they had variety in their try scoring and they just kept a foot on the throat
0: and were very ambitious. Leicester are in a pretty commanding position in their pool as well. Maximum points so far if they can get a bonus point win over Gloucester it would leave them in a position in which they could probably rest players actually in their home fixture with Rassing. That being said Gloucester third in the premiership okay the form isn't uh, necessarily Um, infernal but uh, like level on everything actually I think with Harlequin's points difference bonus points etc and joint third and George Givington has stressed that they're going to be choosing their front line squad which they have. What kind of a game are you expecting there and and how significant a test do Gloucester pose to Leinster if both teams are at full tilt?
2: Well more of a test in December obviously when they sent the weekend team over and it was a it was a weird game because Leinster I know they absolutely hammered them but they were really poor in certain aspects of the game and some of the tries just just happened in the blink of an eye it wasn't a, a sustained period of pressure say from from Leinster and, and obviously you need that as well but I think Leinster have loads of points that they want to improve on even though they're unbeaten thought it was interesting to see Caelan Doris mentioning that they're still watching clips of the La Rochelle game from last season and you know I know they have that shut up move on philosophy and they live by it but it's good I think that they're I suppose letting that just simmer away in the background the the frustrations and disappointments of that and it definitely feels like that is a huge driving factor for every single one of those players um, last season was probably the most disappointing any of them have had lots of those young guys in particular in their career given that they reached really good positions in both competitions and came away with, with nothing so I wouldn't be surprised to see a more complete Leinster performance you'd love to see another intense effort from the opposition Goster this time as with Osprey's last weekend who remade really them work for it and deliver something really impressive for those 10 minutes we spoke about on the, the members pod so I'd love to see a, an even more complete Lencer performance and I know that's nitpicking because they've continued to win and win but there's always been little kind of issues in in each of those victories so um something yeah something more comprehensive would be great to see
0: one last one before i let you catch your plane there how excited are you for this drive to survive six nations equivalent that netflix are working on
2: yeah i can't wait i i just hope the access is as good as we're all imagining it's weird that we're gonna have to wait a year but once you settle into that rhythm i think year on year it could be it could be great i i just hope we get really good change room insights and chats Uh, the the recent one about Ireland's um, series success in New Zealand done by our our friend Ross Whittaker was a great watch and the best bits are those little snippets behind the scenes you know Andy Farrell on the the phone to his family after they've won his words to the players uh, that's what people want that is like there's massive massive appetite for it and it's great to see that there's a a willingness even you're seeing clubs do it themselves some of the National unions doing themselves and yeah, like this is, it's an entertainment industry at the end of the day and people want the, the juicy bits behind the scenes. So I can't wait to see Johnny Sexton absolutely ripping someone to shreds on the training pitch. Like we've heard loads, but not
0: quite seen as much. <laughs> yeah, you'd wonder, will he temper it if the cameras are on? I'd suggest probably not. <laughs> it's just a shame England weren't thinking of the content, I guess, when they made their recent coaching changes. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What not going to be, be the most appealing. Yeah, get Eddie on a, a sort of an office-style interview camp maybe, See what he makes of it all. We'll leave you go for now. Have a great weekend, Merck. Go well. Cheers. Bon weekend. Yes, you too. I don't know actually off the top of my head what the response is responses in French. Uh, go on. Do you know it? Uh, toi aussi. Et vous? Je Yeah. yeah. I can't remember.
2: I'm, I'm rusty. I, I better freshen up here before I land in because I have to rent a car and I'm not sure if they,
0: they're speaking English, so I better uh, do some practice here. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. It's members.42.ie e. if you want to join us on Monday we'll be looking back over all of provinces' games from the weekend. That's our cue. Mind yourselves. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the Take it easy. I don't think we've met before but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year I wouldn't go. <laughs> Roby, Roby, weekly.
1: And in the first pass,